calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Hi, I'm Keegan. And I'm Madigan. And you're listening to Your Angry Neighborhood Feminist. This is a podcast where we explore the world through our own personal feminist perspective. Hello, my dear. Hello, hello. So we are recording remotely once again. Again. (laughs) Yeah, but it's because Madigan got her booster and unfortunately is not feeling super well today. No, I'm it's the second day after I've gotten it, too. So it's been two full days now me feeling like crap. I feel much better. Uh, My body's still kind of sore, but I was explaining to Keegan that I've got like a really swollen lymph node under my armpit. And it hurts really bad. (laughs) That's like the most annoying thing right now. And I've also just been like sleeping nonstop for the past two days. Yeah, the fatigue, I think, is a very common side effect. Like I definitely felt fatigued whenever I I got it. But other than that, I mean, I was lucky in that I didn't have a lot of, of really adverse side effects. But I have known a few people who were out for like a couple of days. Yeah, so. It sucks. I feel like I'm living in a weird like time loop where the last two days were actually just one day. And the only way I can tell it's different is that I like took a shower and changed my clothes last night. So I'm wearing different clothes. Otherwise, it'd be like the same day. All I did was lay in bed and listen to podcasts because Keegan, my wrists were even hurting yesterday. My fingers were hurting. I couldn't hold my phone up. My bones were hurting so bad. Like, you know, they say that if you have a bad reaction to it, that it means that your body is responding better. So who knows? Like, maybe you are better equipped to deal with the virus than I am. I I like that that. you're I like that you're turning this into a compliment about me. Like, mm -hmm. I'm really is fighting harder for you. My body gave up on me. My body was (sighs) like, it's you know, whatever happens, happens, Keegan. And we don't know what to tell you. Thank you for twisting my 48 hours of misery into a positive about my being. (laughs) Leave it. Leave it to Keegan to make me feel good about myself. My goodness. (laughs) All right. Well, um, since, like I said, I've been like essentially sleeping the last 48 hours. um, I wasn't able to keep up with the uh, the note taking of the news as well as I wanted to. But there is one very, very important thing that I wanted to touch on during this episode. And I'm sure it's part of your notes as well. So the thing that I really want to talk about this week, the thing that I took most of my 
the thing that I took most of my notes on this week uh, is essentially everything that's happening with Kellogg's right now. I don't know if you're familiar with everything that's going on. Um, I am because in my house, Max is refusing to bring in any Kellogg's products. As he should. Right? As he should. Yep. Uh, Kellogg's is the fucking worst. And yeah. we all need to stop buying their products. I, now that I am very aware of this issue... I'm also not purchasing any Kellogg's products. I had a moment of like, I don't know what the word is, but I had like a moment of reckoning with myself today. That's the word I was looking for when I had ordered soup and they gave me Kellogg's brand like saltine crackers. I was like, I didn't buy them myself. Like I didn't pick them out. And I really want crackers with my soup. <laughs> it, it would do you yo- no use to throw them away at that right. point. Right. I'm like, you know, you know like, then, they, then you're just wasting food, which is also not good. Right. So, so I ate the Kellogg's crackers, but I was like, I'm not going to buy the Kellogg's crackers. Yeah. I mean, I see those as very different things. Like, I think it would actually be worse. It'd be misguided to throw out perfectly good food, you know. Right. So, you know, though, that nothing pisses me off quite like corporate greed oh my god nothing pisses off keegan more than capitalism my goodness i mean truly and (laughs) i I am also very fired up because i just listened to the behind the bastards two-part episode on jeffrey bezos uh which you can go listen to and here's here's the thing and and i try to be very like uh, have a lot of grace for a lot of this. Like I still use Amazon. It has become so intrinsically tied to the way that we live now. And as I say to um, to people, you know, I was having a whole conversation with Cassie, who's my co-host of my Restate. She feels very strongly about fast fashion and like really tries not to consume in that way. I don't consume meat anymore. Like there are things that we do to try and like, stem the tide yeah there's we each try to pick our own ways of making our like carbon footprint on this planet a little bit less intense you know right right and really like the truth of it is and this is the same thing I said to her is there is no ethical consumption under capitalism like there just isn't so completely beating yourself yourself up for continuing to use Amazon or do XYZ like I'm I'm definitely not advocating for that I just think that being aware um, and trying to do the things that you can where you can is really important and Boycotting Kellogg's is something we can all do. So, yes. <laughs> so Kellogg's, they have been forcing their workers to endure 72 to 84 hour work weeks with mandated overtime. Employees have said that they were sometimes forced to work 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. and then asked to return at 3 a.m. to begin another 12 hour shift and were often refused time off even for funerals. Like Ugh. they had to fight for time off even for yep. funerals. Um, some of them were first, some of them were forced to work up to 120 days in a row without a single day off. Oh my God. Can you imagine? No, like, like I, that makes me. I have like mental breakdowns sometimes working five days in a row. I'm like, I can't be here anymore. I have to go. Absolutely. I am fighting for my life to make it through a five day work week. Right. The idea that I would have to work 120 days without a single day off. No. Those days often being 12 to 16 hour days. Yeah. No, no. 
Uh, one employee told Rolling Stone, quote, you sign on at a place like Kellogg's and you know they basically own your life. Ugh, I mean, horrible. all of this is so reminiscent of what Amazon factory workers go through. And I've just seen a lot of videos on that. So that's like what I'm drawing connections Absolutely. to. Yeah. But it's mm-hmm. like it's so unbelievably ridiculous for these companies to expect such high quality work to come out of these workers that are being so unbelievably mistreated and overworked and not given anything in return for the work they're putting into your Mm -hmm. business. No, definitely not. And I won't even go into like Kellogg's created like a few years ago, they have this entire like caste system with within their employment where essentially like older workers like workers who have been with the company for 20 plus years or whatever they get more benefits or whatever and you have to wait for one of them to die before someone else can like move up i mean i've heard that joke in like voiceover (laughs) no it's it's horrible and so no it's absolutely awful if you're a lower level factory worker they're basically telling you like there is no room for upward mobility like you are just kind of we want you to come in in here and sign your life away and like and work really hard for us and really really care about everything too Mm -hmm. i mean oh i just know i know all of that fucking bullshit corporate like talk to make you feel like you're actually making a difference you're Mm -hmm. actually like doing something important and then they don't give you absolutely anything in return it's so infuriating that i worked for that were like merry christmas happy holidays here's a duffel bag with the name of our company printed on it like for real christmas bonus like that's it's so gross like when you look at what these companies and like the ceos of these companies make and then you look at what the workers make and the amount of work these people are. it's really degrading it's it's unbelievably awful it's almost like a sign of how little they care if you really think about it oh absolutely but they want to come off like they do care so they're like i don't know throw a little something to the police a little something something something. and and then it's going to have their name on it too so that wherever you're wearing it you're also promoting that company, oh, it's just, it's all uh-huh. the worst. But then now I didn't take any notes on this. So correct me if I'm wrong. But wasn't there also something in this story where they were like all the workers of Kellogg's were saying they're going to like quit. And then well, yeah. they were like, well, we're just going to like hire all these other people. Like what? Mm-hmm. How did so that go happened, again? What happened was in October, 1,400 workers finally decided to strike. Right. And they have been on strike since October trying to negotiate with the company. So a few days ago, the company announced that it would be permanently replacing the striking workers, which is a decision which is a decision that was made after the company rejected a deal that would have provided a 3% pay increase for Ugh. the workers. So they've God been forbid. going back and forth. Yeah, going back and forth trying to negotiate this thing. Finally they were like, "Okay, here's what we want. We want a 3% pay increase for the workers Ugh. and Kellogg's was like no. oh and I wonder what the original asking amount was too you know what I mean like you know they didn't start with three percent like you mm. know that it, they were just like haggled down and down and down the fact that they wouldn't even take a three percent increase is like right absurd right. and their CEO makes 12 million dollars a year Gross. which is nearly 280 times the company average like the CEO who you know is not doing a lot of the physical work. Like, that's the thing. When people, like, cap no. for billionaires, they cap for people like Elon Musk and Jeffrey Bezos. 
And it's like, you know that they're spending 99% of their time not at the office, like not working no. hands on with any of this stuff. And they are raking in. They're the money three, behind it and the like name. This, yeah. The CEO is raking in almost 300 times the amount of of other worker of the rest of the company. Yeah, like, the CEO is spending his time like sitting in his McMansion smoking a yeah, cigar. He's not spending his time like actually working on the company, especially not at this point with Kellogg's being such an established company. Like right. your CEO is not like boots on the ground rooting for you. No, you know? oh, no, no, no. And so like they absolutely can afford to pay their workers a livable wage and to provide them with humane working conditions and benefits. Like that's just the way like they're not hurting for anything. No. And in fact, Kellogg's made four billion in profit, made four billion dollars during twenty twenty, during the pandemic. That's in profit. So that's- that doesn't surprise me at all because think of all of the like non perishable or items mm-hmm. that like stayed Absolutely. in your pantry mm-hmm. for a long time. Kellogg cereal. Everybody yep. was buying tons of cereal, I bet. You can shop from anywhere doing pretty much anything. You might shop while working eating, or even listening to this podcast. And however you shop, we all know and love the thrill of the hunt. But do you also know how to get the thrill of the best deals? Because Rakuten shoppers do. With Rakuten, they get the deals they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Sephora, Nike, and even Expedia if you're looking to get some travel in. And getting cash back doesn't mean you have to miss out on sales because those can just be stacked right on top. It's easy to use and based on a simple idea. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back through PayPal or check. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. GZM Shows and the creators of Six Minutes are rolling out their newest audio adventure with the podcast Discovering Dad. A cautious single dad with a secret past and his rebellious kids embark on a thrilling quest complete with hidden treasure, villains, and a family curse. New episodes of Discovering Dad roll out weekly starting June 11th on Apple Podcasts. Follow the show so you never miss an episode or listen early and ad-free as a GZM Show subscriber. Go to gzmshows.com to learn more. Yep. Uh, And instead of giving their workers who were considered essential throughout the height of the pandemic and lockdowns and reportedly, again, worked 16 hour days, seven days a week throughout the pandemic. Gross. Throughout a plague. (laughs) And instead of giving them a bump in their pay for like literally putting their lives on the line. Right. They provided cookies. As a means to show their appreciation. Which factory that makes cookies. Well, and I was also going to say, like, that's also super not safe because, like, you shouldn't be, like, during the pandemic, you shouldn't be, like, bringing cookies to share. You know what I mean? Like, it's weird and and not safe during the pandemic either. (laughs) No, and it's like the, like, 
what we were just saying with your company giving you a holiday sweater instead of a Christmas bonus. It's like, there's cookies in the break room. We appreciate you. And I'm like, that's not what we need right now. Like, no, everybody is afraid for their literal lives because right. we're in the middle of a pandemic lockdown. I have kids at home that I need to take care of because they're not going to school or whatever. These cookies aren't helping me. Cookies I'm get not, us you know, nowhere. Yeah. Yeah. Like it, just absolutely wild. Yeah. And it's even more wild when you think about the fact that wages across the board have stayed stagnant for about the last 25 years, while every other economic indicator, including prices, have gone up. So minimum wage has remained roughly the same for decades when everything else has gone up. Every yeah. other economic indicator has risen. That's why people cannot afford to buy a house. <laughs> people cannot afford to live and they certainly right. can't afford to live well you right. know and the rich are staying rich and we're not going anywhere <laughs> so this is time my friends it is time for a workers revolution enough is enough we've had it a deadly tornado just devastated the midwest uh-huh. this week and there have been so many stories of companies including amazon but there are you know other culprits as well who did not allow workers to leave the factory floor during this tornado, forcing them to work through it, which resulted in a number of fatalities, like people died. And like they texted their loved ones saying like, Amazon's not letting us leave. I would just fucking leave. Like, I know that like, there's probably more. I'm not like trying to victim blame. But like, my God, like, I can't imagine being that beholden to a company that I would be scared for my life and be like, you know, I'm gonna stick with you. Yeah, you know, I think it's kind of a difficult thing. It's I think it's partially because it's partially because these people have like families and lives. They can't right, just lose their jobs. Yeah, they don't want to just lose their job. Like that's a, a scary prospect for right. a lot of people. And and again, we live in a country where our health insurance and things like that are tied directly to our employment. So if you have family that relies on that, like there's a lot of reasons why you might not want to leave. And then also. I also know what it feels like to be pressured in a job and as like a people pleaser personality, totally, it is hard yeah. to stand up against that. And then thirdly, as someone from the Midwest who experienced tornado warnings quite frequently, right? You're think probably thinking that be easy. Yeah. To think that like, okay, like this is really fucked up that they're making us stay here, but it's probably not going to be that bad. I don't right? know. Every like, single tornado warning that I had growing up absolutely petrified me. Can you guess why? Oh, well, yeah. I mean, you have a Wizard of Oz complex. I was legit scared my house was going to be picked up and thrown away. Like, every (laughs) single warning. I remember once having a tornado warning at my ice rink and being told a million times, because we were, like, underground in a cement building. They're like, if we're going to be safe anywhere, it's going to be here. And I was just like, nope, we're all going to die. It's all going to crash down on us. Like, tornadoes are a big thing for me. Like, natural disasters as a whole. I think that's why my initial reaction is like... My family's going to have nothing if I die. Yeah. You know I what I mean? Like, I completely understand that reaction, but like, but no, there the are of myself so many. And like most people that I knew in Missouri, like, we would have like tornado siren drills that would go off like totally. every Wednesday. And even with, if we knew an actual tornado was in the area, it would literally be a thing where it was like, 
look outside, do you see the tornado? Because if not, then life can go on as yeah. usual. Basically. I mean, honestly, like, yeah. That we there's been whole TV shows made about like chasing tornadoes and things like that. But yeah, no, I just I think that that's absolutely ridiculous that you, that a person would be put in the position to have to even like have that you thought process. Have to make that decision. No, like, your to your choose employer, your job over your life, especially your when you're working on Amazon. Yes. Your employer should give a shit about you. Workers are human beings. Like workers have rights. Workers are the people who make the machine go. Right. Like it doesn't make sense to undervalue your workers. And honestly, I was listening. I think Daily Zeitgeist was talking about this and they were saying how or someone on that show was saying how they think that a lot of companies are just kind of like waiting it out until they can start like employing in quotes robots instead of people right like this is things are heating up like people are getting really fed up they're really seeing how badly workers are being treated yeah we are headed towards a revolution but i think a lot of like ceos just feel like they can wait it out like rather than just paying their workers more which they can afford to do again which then like what's gonna happen once the robots take over like no one's going to make any money. Uh, well, and that's what's kind their of an plan then? That's, <laughs> that's been going on for a long time. Is I don't think their plan is to do anything about that companies. I think that that's why though a lot of people have been pushing for a basic income for an, a, like a national basic income that everyone needs to get. That's livable. As things become more, um, as things become more automated, that's gonna you're exactly right. Like we don't have to hire as many cashiers at the grocery store because there are self-checkout machines. Like, so when it comes to factory work and we don't need people to fill Amazon boxes anymore, or we have self-driving cars that can drive the Amazon trucks or drones that can drop off packages at your front door. What do we do? How do people make money? Right. Um, that's a, a completely different question. But I know yeah. you're just like, you're sending me spiraling now, Keegan. <laughs> no, it, listen, you know, I get worked up about this. stuff. Yeah. So <laughs> no, so, as, as we should be. Yeah. With all of that being said, um, you can support the strike by, as we said, not purchasing Kellogg's products. It was kind of a, I was literally, when I heard about this, I was thinking about making uh, Rice Krispie treats. I was going to make them for the party that you came to, actually, because mm-hmm. I have a bomb ass Rice Krispie treat recipe. And I guess I could have bought like you the could generic the off version brand, right? of Krispies or whatever. Uh, but Kellogg's does make Rice Krispies. Kellogg's is mostly known for cereal. That's what we all think of, I think, and are most familiar with, of course. And, it, and that usually says Kellogg's on the box. So that's not usually like a huge mystery if that's a Kellogg's product or not. But there are a lot of other products that if you are trying to boycott the company, you should be aware of. So some of those products are Ego Waffles, um, Morningstar for my meatless fam. So those of you trying to go plant-based, Morningstar is a very big like plant-based uh, company. Cheez-Its, Club Crackers, Pringles, any Keebler product and God, if I don't love like a fudge stripe cookie. Oh my God. Um, their version of the Samoa Girl Scout cookies. Mm, good. I mean, <sighs> listen, this is not an ad for them. Obviously we want you to boycott them, but yes, the, the Keebler cookies are good. RIP. <laughs> We're going to have to find other versions of it. That's yes. possible, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, Nutrigrain and Pop-Tarts. All of those are Kellogg owned so avoid those and that's you know among many other things for a full list i would definitely google it if that's something that 
is important to you. And I, I do strongly encourage everybody to right. avoid buying there's, Kellogg's products. There's easy other options out there. There's other things yeah. that you can find. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Buy the off-brand Krispies. Right. We're going to live. We're going to be fine. That's right. All right. So the other big thing that happened this week that is definitely big in feminist news is that beloved black queer feminist author, poet, cultural critic, and professor Bell Hooks passed away on Wednesday at the age of 69. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so she's been on my list of someone that I wanted to cover in a feminist fave for a long time. So Mm -hmm. I don't want to go over her entire biography here, but she was an early intersectional feminist who criticized the feminist movement for centering the experiences of privileged white women. And she wrote frequently about the intersections of race, gender, class. And and this was something whenever I was, you know, reading about her life, she talked a lot as well about the intersection of of geographic place in feminism, which is right. something that you hear spoken about a lot. But she grew up in segregated Appalachia, which I can only imagine. You can, yeah, you know, yeah. And definitely would affect the amount of privilege or lack thereof access right. to, to things, you know. Yeah, they lived in so many intersections and intersectionality was such an importance in her legacy of the feminist movement. What they're probably most known for is her 1981 book, Ain't I a Woman, which discusses racism within feminism. And that's kind of what you were discussing, where um, that was a very important topic for her to discuss. And I feel like Ain't I a Woman is like an incredibly popular book as well. Um I love that, you know, we've discussed a few different people in feminist faves in the past that have chosen to spell their names differently or mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. have it be, you know, no capitals or, you know, things like that. And Bell Hooks was one of those that spelled her name with no capital letters to kind of take away um, the individuality that a name gives you. Like there, she was a very, very thoughtful woman. Um, she was actually named Times 100 Women of the Year this past year which was pretty amazing. So she has remained very um, important. Relevant. Very relevant. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. So her death was announced by her niece, who stated that she was surrounded by loved ones when she passed. There hasn't been an official cause of death that's been released as far as I have seen online, but according to Beria, yeah, yeah. but there was a statement from Beria College in Kentucky where she's taught since 2004, where they mentioned that she'd been suffering from some sort of illness. And then when I looked on her Wikipedia page, it said that her cause of death was kidney failure. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I I didn't see that listed anywhere. So it'll be interesting when they come out with an official like statement regarding her cause of death because 69 really isn't like right. old. It does, like it's not- but it does sound like she's been dealing with some sort of illness somewhat privately that, you know, it sounds like her yeah. Em- yeah. employer knew about, you know, the university that she worked at and things like that, but it wasn't really a, a public knowledge type of right. thing. Yeah. Um, I'm sure it's going to end up being something similar to that, which makes me so sad to hear that, you know, there was suffering before her passing, yeah. but it really does sound like even through that, um, you know, like we said, she remained incredibly relevant and active and wonderful. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's important to point out that 
her importance, I think it's important to point out her importance to black feminism, right? Um, she wasn't the first person to coin the term intersectionality necessarily, right? Because Kimberly Crenshaw did that in 1987. However, she wrote Ain't I a Woman, Black Women and Feminism in 18, 18- did I say 1897? No, you said 1997, but then you were just about to say that she wrote Ain't I a Woman in 1881 instead of 1981. In 1981, <laughs> and Kimberly Crenshaw coined the term in 1987. Right, so it was so almost like she, she had the idea without the yes, term. Yeah, and, and Kimberly Crenshaw does actually kind of acknowledge that, that like... I'm sure it was from these ideas that bell hooks had that really planted the seed for a lot of intersectional feminists going forward to start looking at it through this like very critical lens and understanding that like experiences vary based upon all of these different factors. So it can't be overstated like how pivotal she was to an entire generation of feminists and black feminists. Yeah. And, yeah. and also queer people like I've been yeah. seeing um, I follow the them Instagram page. They were posting a lot about bell hooks yesterday and things like that. There were so many facets to her that were so wonderful and impactful. Um, I feel like there were there was anybody that could relate to her in some way, shape or form and the things that she had to say. And also she was so incredibly smart. Um, like you were talking about, she talks about the like geographical impact on mm-hmm. on us and things like that mm-hmm. and they they refer to her as a cultural critic which i think is really cool and very interesting and something that i haven't really done much looking into and it sounds really fascinating as well so yeah, yeah. continuing to motivate yeah all right rest in peace bell hooks all right is there anything else that you want to discuss today or should we just kind of make this a shorter one yeah, that's all I've got. You know, it was mostly just me being in my feelings, writing page after page about how bad Kellogg's is. But I am um, <laughs> so here for that. I'm so glad you brought it up because I didn't even think about that. But it's something that I've been talking about around the house. So I'm very, very yeah. glad that you brought it up. Yeah, I love this um awareness that I feel like people are starting to have around their consumerism. Yes. And again, just whatever that looks like for you, it's it's we cannot prevent unethical consumerism on every level right like it just isn't possible you've got to like live today pick the ways that I feel like make the most sense for you and your lifestyle and the things that you can find attainable things that you can do without it having to be like too much of a like sacrifice you know what I mean Right. Yeah. I mean, sacrifice is necessary, but yeah, yeah, exactly that in in terms of like, you still have to live your life. Yeah. So I think kind of prioritizing what that means to you, like for me, this entire Kellogg strike, the reason why I think I feel so passionately about it is because it's like people. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it's like a small thing we can do. And what you just said is so important and that is priorities. And I feel like that's a really important thing to remember when there are so many things that are coming at you where you're like, well, I can't do this and I should do that and I should do that. And you get paralyzed for sure. Totally. And I feel like especially as people who like want to be good feminists and want to be good activists, like that's very easy for us to do to constantly want to be doing the right thing and not make any mistakes. But I think that as long as you're remembering what your priorities are within that, it's an easier way for you to kind of navigate that whole world. Yeah, and also have the understanding that while personal responsibility is important, um, 
corporate responsibility is more important. Yeah. <laughs> like right. Individual. Don't beat yourself up. You know, you're not making 300 times the amount of the average worker at Kellogg's. You're not forcing anyone to work 16 hours a day for 121 days in a row. Through a tornado. You're not doing that. Fuck everybody. Good night, everybody. Anyway. (laughs) All right. So just another reminder, we now have merch. Uh, Our... Holiday design is for a limited time. So I do want to remind everybody of that. If you do want to get any of our holiday Slay the Patriarchy merchandise, you've got until January 30th. Am I correct, Keegan? Sure. I don't think we ever settled on an actual date. That works for me. I feel like I saw it somewhere that it was like, this will be available until this time. So I don't know, but sure, let's run it through January. That sounds good. Maybe we're crazy. (laughs) I don't know. Maybe I'll cut that out. But it's only going to be available through January. So if you want to get your holiday merch, get on that as soon as you can. Um, Hopefully, we'll be adding some new designs after the holidays and things like that. But if you want to get any of our merch, you can find the link to our Threadless page on our Instagram account. You can go to the link in our bio. I don't know why that was so hard for me to say, but I got it out. I got there. Um, also like always if there's any news topics that you would like for us to do on the show you can go ahead and email us at neighborhoodfeminist at gmail.com or direct message us on Instagram at angry neighborhood feminist we have a Facebook business and group page you can rate and review us on the business page and chat with your fellow listeners on the group page and last but certainly not least I'm going to remind you once again that if you haven't done so already we would greatly appreciate it if you would leave a five star review with a quick sentence about why you enjoy the show on Apple Podcasts. It truly does help us so, so much and it really makes our day reading them. All right, that's all we have for you today. With all that being said, we encourage you to To rage on. Bye! Talmor is my home. My family have worked the land for generations. My grand says the island does not belong to us, but we belong to the island. And we must be ready, for a great evil is coming. And death follows with it. Listen and subscribe to the latest season of Undertow, The Harrowing, a story glass production presented by Realm, available wherever you get your podcasts. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.